everyone and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, influence and we're going to be asking some questions about influence. John Maxwell boldly states that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And today uh, we have people in our world whose careers are influencers, that's their, their title. They earn an income by being able to influence others through the power of social media. But the question today is, what does kingdom influence look like? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you are new to our podcast, welcome. So glad that you could join us. As always, we try and release a podcast every Tuesday morning. And the point of this podcast is for us to journey together, to discover who Jesus is and who he's calling us to be. And so as you will have gathered by the title, we like to grab a cup of coffee or tea or hot chocolate. We're not uh, discriminatory here. And we're just going to spend the next 10, 15, 20 minutes together speaking about something that is close to the heart of Jesus or something that we should be grappling with as we follow him. And so as always, if you need to pause this to go get a cup of coffee or tea, I get it, no problem. Uh, as always, please subscribe, whether you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a subscribe so you can always know when the next podcast has dropped. So once again, we're looking at kingdom influence today. And I want to unpack a passage out of the Gospel of Mark, again, same as last week, but this time out of chapter 10, verse 35 to 45. Ten verses, and then we're going to unpack kingdom influence. It says this from verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand, and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I will drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, to give you a bit of context, a few verses before the ones we just read, they, they describe the fact that where Jesus walked, people gathered and were willing to listen to him teach on whatever he wanted. And, and they watched him heal people that no one else could heal. And they, they saw him engage with spiritual elders of the day rebuking them and meeting their challenges head on. Jesus seemed to move in and through society with power and authority. And people were attracted to it like insects to a bright light. One would definitely say that Jesus had influence. He had kingdom influence. Those traveling with Jesus would have seen this firsthand and experienced not just Jesus, but the way others followed Jesus. They saw his influence, and, and here we see two of the disciples ask a question. Jesus, can you guarantee our position in eternity? 
They were asking for position. We see you have influence. And so we would love to be in positions as close as possible to you so we can also have the kind of influence you have. It's amazing how close we can get to the truth of something and still miss it. They were so close to the truth about what intimacy with Jesus can accomplish, but they missed it by looking for position rather than intimacy. Here the two brothers fell into a trap so many people in our world fall into, so many of us fall into. They thought that the right position would lead to greater influence. How often do we think that? How often do we think a new position, a new title, a new increase will help us have greater influence? We think a higher title will cause others to follow us or to look up to us or to respect us. But influence is not about position in the kingdom. And that's essentially what Jesus says to them and to us here. He says he can't give them the position they think they want or they think they need, but he can give them some keys on how to operate with kingdom influence. And for the time we have left today, I want us to talk about what these keys are. What keys are there in order for us to operate with kingdom influence? Because the first thing we need to understand is it's not about position. You do not get kingdom influence by being a pastor or president or priest. You do not get kingdom influence by giving more than the person next to you. No, Jesus gives us a few keys here, and I want to touch on three of them. The first key Jesus gives his disciples is if you want to learn how to have kingdom influence, you have to be okay with persecution, and you have to learn to persevere even when things are going pear-shaped. And so key number one is perseverance. Key number one is perseverance. Jesus used much more eloquent words than, than what I've just said, but the idea was the same. Having kingdom influence means deciding upfront that regardless of what comes, I can persevere and I will keep living for his glory no matter what. Kingdom influence then can be understood as a fruit of perseverance. So if you would allow me can we ask some tough questions? Where is your limit? What is the thing that if that ever happened to you, you don't know if you could live for the glory of God anymore? Perhaps it's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, the loss of income. Where is your limit? What is that thing that might stop you from living for God's glory? The reason these are important questions is because wherever that line is, that is the limit of the kingdom influence you will have. Jesus said as plainly as ever, if you want to follow him, it will require a daily picking up of your cross. You need to pick up the cross that God has called you to pick up. Perseverance is a spiritual muscle that we often overlook because it is not fancy or flashy. It doesn't get the Instagram likes. It doesn't get the Facebook uh, comments. Perseverance is messy. Perseverance is, is uncomfortable. So, can we persevere? Can we persevere when the money is gone? Can we persevere when loved ones pass away? Can we persevere when oppression, persecution comes? Can we persevere when gossip about us, untrue gossip circles through our social circles? Can we persevere when promotions are missed, when we, we feel like we deserve something and we don't get it? Can we persevere when tragedy strikes? The first key to kingdom influence is simply this question. Can you persevere? Can you drink the cup that Jesus drank? Can you walk 
with a cross on your shoulders. So number one, perseverance. The second thing is kingdom influence is on the other end of a commitment to serve. So if our first key is, per, is perseverance, our second key is service. Jesus says this, greatness in the kingdom comes from a willingness to serve. Influence comes from putting others first. We are called by God to serve him by serving others. This is not an optional extra in a Christian's discipleship journey. If you consider serving others an option rather than a command from Jesus, we've missed this portion of scripture. This is part and parcel of who we become when we follow the servant king. Jesus says, I came to serve, not be served. He is the servant king. And as we model our lives on him, we will serve. I was watching a documentary the other day of the South African rugby team. For those of you around the world who don't know anything about rugby or South Africa, I cannot explain to you the significance of rugby in our nation's history. Just after we became a democratic country, it was winning the Rugby World Cup in 1995 that acted as a unifying moment for our nation. It's amazing to see how a sport of such brutality, and if you've never watched rugby, it's brutal, can bring such unity to a nation that is divided by violence. It's almost like when we watch these men from different languages and backgrounds fight for each other instead of with each other, we get the motivation to come together. Anyway, I was watching this documentary about the South African rugby team called the Springboks. And it was a documentary of when the Lions team, when England uh, and Ireland and the British Isles all come to South Africa. And, and the one coach mentioned that they couldn't wait to get on the field because for them and with their gifts, this was a way that they could serve the nation of South Africa during a very dark and difficult time. He spoke about the fact that them stepping onto the rugby field was them serving the nation with the gifts and talents they had. I have to admit, I, I choked up a bit because here were professional sportsmen who understood the significance of their gifts and talents in relationship to the people they were connected to. They didn't just see their talents as a way to earn, they saw their talents as a way to serve. They said, when we got on that field, we are serving our nation. And there are many other people who play rugby and if all we were to do was to gauge their on-field displays, they might look identical to what I saw in that documentary. However, the heart behind the Springboks, the South African team, was one of service. They may pass the ball like other teams, kick the ball like other teams, tackle like other teams, but the heart behind their play was different. Having a servant heart might not change what you do, but it is the reason for what you do. And it will determine what the consequence of what you do is. I want to say that again. Having a servant heart, being committed to serving the kingdom might not change what you do, but it is the reason for what you do, and it will determine what the consequence of what you do is. Kingdom influence cannot be divorced from service because our Savior, our King, saved us by coming to serve. My salvation is a result of His service. So again, some questions. Where are you serving? How can a change in perspective change why you do what you do? You may already be doing what you consider service, but how can a change in perspective change why you do what you do? And who are you serving with the unique gifts and talents you possess? Perhaps it's a traditional type of serving by volunteering somewhere, or maybe your serving looks like going to your work with a new heart, a new why behind your what. 
Where are you serving? How are you serving? Because the kingdom influence that so many of us long for cannot be separated from kingdom service. Kingdom influence and kingdom service are married. So number one, we got to persevere. Number two, we got to serve. Lastly, the last key to kingdom influence that Jesus reveals to us here is Jesus says that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. There's a humility in Jesus that we don't often see. And so the last key to kingdom influence is humility. People often ask questions. What would you do with your life if you knew you had a day to live or a week to live? What would you do with 24 hours if you knew at the end of those 24 hours your life was finished? This is a fun question to break some ice or to get to know people. But the reality is when Jesus knew his time was up, when Jesus knew that he only had moments to live, that, that his life was going to end the next day, he walked into the room with his disciples, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed their feet. When Jesus had 24 hours to live, he humbled himself and served. One of my frustrations as a pastor, as a teacher, is a misunderstanding of humility. And if, if nothing else, during this podcast, I pray that you would begin to see humility in a different life because of what we talk about today. Sometimes we think humility is being down on ourselves. That's not humility. That's shame or guilt or condemnation. Humility does not ask us to be less. God did not create you with all your gifts and talents, your, your incredible uniqueness, and then ask you to deny all of that in being humble. No, rather... Humility asks us to use what we are for others. Humility asks us to employ all those gifts and talents for the benefits of others. Humility basically understands that this, all of this, this world, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, uh, our, our earning potential, our words, all of this is not about me. Now, that doesn't make me any less, but it does make me live for something other than myself. Humility is not bashing ourselves down, but when we lift God up through worship and work, humility is when we lift others up through our gifts and talents. So humility is not breaking ourselves down, it's lifting others up. Humility sees God and sees us, and without knocking us down, understands that He is the only one worth living for. False humility is when we are down on ourselves, hoping someone else will lift us up. You know those people who throw pity parties, whether in person or social media. And really what they want is they want people to validate them. They want people to come alongside them and, and make them feel better. False humility tries and draws attention to ourselves to make us feel better. True humility is when we stop drawing attention to ourselves and use all we are to place attention on Jesus and honor his people. So again, some questions. Where can we potentially exhibit more humility? Where can we better understand humility? Maybe for you, you've had the wrong understanding of humility. And perhaps today, how can you better understand humility? So there they are. Three keys to kingdom influence that Jesus gives us in this passage. Perseverance, service, humility. Now, if you think of those three things, they don't scream influence, do they? They don't scream authority or power, but those are exactly why they work in the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is upside down to the kingdom of this world. Put those three things together, perseverance, service, and humility, and your life will have kingdom influence. Can you get influence apart from these three things? Absolutely. 
but it wouldn't be kingdom influence. You might get social influence. You might get political influence. You, you might get any kind of influence, but it will not be kingdom influence. Imagine what people might see in you, see through you, receive from you. If you decided today that you would persevere no matter what, you would serve and you would do everything for God and his glory, not yourself. Imagine for a moment with me what would happen if as a people, as we follow Jesus, we chose to persevere, we chose to serve, and not just people in the church, we, so, we chose to serve our world, and we chose humility, which is not beating ourselves down, but lifting God and others up. What might our influence be? Broader than just our churches, what might our influence be in society, in community, globally, if we could learn to persevere, to serve, and be humble? And so that's my prayer for us today and this week. Whenever you're listening to this, I pray that God would reveal to you the significance of these three things. And as he does, I pray that we would walk in perseverance. We would live from service and we would understand humility. Well, God bless you. I hope this has encouraged you and we look forward to seeing you next week for our next episode of Coffee with Jesus. God bless you, everyone. Have a good one.